Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, we're here to review the Packers' 31-23 loss to the Detroit Lions at Ford Field on Sunday. And I tell you what, just when you think the Packers can't start games any worse than what happened against Chicago, what happened against Washington... This one, quite, quite frankly, was worse. 24 to nothing at halftime, um, mistakes just across the board, and a hole that was simply too deep for the Packers to dig out of. Yeah, This is probably going to go down, Michael. Uh, it's probably one of the more bizarre games I've covered in terms of the Packers did not punt in this game. Uh, strangely enough, it, it actually, I was, I was almost leaving the office last uh, on Sunday night, and I was like, you know what? I don't think I saw J.K. Scott out there at all. Uh, but how it ends up working out is Mason Crosby obviously had the four missed field goals, two fumbles from Aaron Rodgers in the first half that end up turning into takeaways for Detroit. And then that first play where kind of a controversial situation where Sam Martin's punt bounces and there's a little bit of a discrepancy whether or not it hit Kevin King or whether or not it hit um, one of the Detroit defenders and Miles Kilgrew it was. And it was interesting. Afterwards, I asked Tremont Williams about it. He said the, the ref, referees originally told the Packers that it had hit Detroit first. Yeah. But whatever conversation they then had, they then decided that it was uh, hitting the Packers first. So then that goes to replay review in New York, and then there was an indisputable evidence, and Detroit gets the ball at the one-yard line. A one-yard LeGarrette Blunt carry later, the Packers are already down 7 to nothing. As Williams said, that isn't ultimately what changed the outcome of this thing, but I think it did kind of illustrate the situation the Packers found themselves in. Three turnovers uh, in the first half that turned into uh, Lions 17 points and, and another hole that it was really too big to dig out of. Yeah, well, and this is my thing, and I don't want to uh, perseverate, as we like to say, too <laughs> long about this opening punt play. But to me, it didn't look like the initial ruling was that it was Lions ball. The officials got together and talked about it and then said the ruling was Lions ball, so then it went to replay, and right. that was the call in the field that then would have to be overturned. Well, if the initial ruling was Lions ball, where was the official to throw the little blue beanbag to say right. that I saw the ball hit the Packer guy? Because if the beanbag comes out, then the Packers know, oh, well, we better fall on it because yeah. they're saying it's a live ball. Right. The Packers were never given that indication. They were never given that signal. So I think the whole thing was botched by the officiating crew and the fact that then the call on the field, you needed the indisputable evidence to overturn it. It just put the Packers in a bad spot. But that being said, it was no different than if the Lions had just driven down and scored a touchdown sure. on the opening drive of the game. It's 7 nothing. You're just five minutes into the game, whatever it is at that point. And the Packers, right from the get-go, Wes, were moving the ball in the Lions consistently. They moved the ball up and down the field. In the first half, they couldn't finish drives and couldn't make kicks. Right. So you got no points when you should have had six or nine or whatever the case might have been. The second half, the Packers were certainly finishing drives and getting in the end zone a fair amount of time, but you're just behind by so much. Yeah, it was just it was it was insurmountable yeah. at that point. And they've done some pretty remarkable things in terms of these second half rallies and then trying to to put themselves back in a position to win the game. They did it against Chicago in week one, and as it turns out, the Bears are the team actually leading the division now at this point. But you look at, you're on the road now, you're in Ford Field, you and I heard that crowd, and I, I said it last week, my whole thought that has been, at least during the Matthew Stafford era in which I've been covering the team, 
if you allow the if you allow the Lions to get off to a fast start, yep. that crowd's going to get into it, and it's going to be tough to battle back from that. Now they they've done it. The Hail Mary. Well, I say you're down twenty to nothing in 2015, and, right. and it took a fumble recovery in the end zone and a Hail Mary to get two of your touchdowns to come and, back and win that. And that's ultimately what some of the Packers defenders said too after this game. Yeah, they only gave up 253 yards, less than 200 yards passing in this one. If you take away the explosive to Kenny Holiday, uh, Galladay, then it ends up being you know almost closer to 130. But we don't live in that world. The biggest thing that a lot of those guys said is Detroit found ways to take away the football, whatever your you know, form or thought is on that, and the Packers just didn't do enough of that against Matthew Stafford. So it just seemed like at times when the offense got rolling and, and they started to pick things up, then maybe the defense just wasn't able to get the stop, or when the defense got the stop, the offense wasn't able to turn it into points, and yeah. ultimately it ends up being a road loss in Detroit. Yeah, it was uh, It was maybe one of the rougher days for special teams for the Packers in a long time, and not just the controversial play with Kevin King and the punt early in the game, but penalty after penalty on special teams that really affected field position. Right. The only time the entire game the Packers had any field position in their favor was when the Lions missed the long field goal in the second half and the Packers got the ball near midfield there after Prater's miss. Otherwise, because of the penalties and special teams mistakes, the Packers were starting on their own 12, 15-yard line, it seemed like, every single drive. And that's, again, where you get to, okay, so Mason Crosby has a 40-some-yard a field goal. Well, if that drive had started 15, 10 or 15 yards further out, maybe that's a chip shot field goal, or maybe you are in right. the red zone with a chance to finish the drive for a touchdown. So the field position, I thought, played into this game considerably, and obviously you mentioned the turnovers. Both of the Packers' turnovers in their own territory set up short fields for the Lions to get 10 fairly easy points, and then the one on the one-yard line after the controversial punt play. 17 points the Lions scored with 31 yards of offense. Right. You, can't, you can't gift wrap a game any better than that. No, you really can't. And, and I also thought it was interesting, Devontae Adams touched on this after the game as well, uh, looking back, you mentioned some of the chip shot, not chip shot, but some of the field goals that Crosby missed from 38, 41, and 42. Yeah. Ad Adams put it perfectly, I thought, in saying that, you know, in, in the world, you know, we want to make sure that Mason Crosby doesn't have to kick field goals. We yep. want to make sure that we're able to punch these things in. The Packers just consistently haven't been able to do that enough. They've, they've been able to make drives. They've been able to get within field goal range, but they haven't been able to finish them. And then you even look back to the 38-yard one he missed. Well, then that comes after an intentional grounding ca a call that gave up 16 yards. So it's little things like that that can ultimately compound into bigger issues. And, and yeah, and then, you know, Ty Montgomery has a big kickoff return. A holding call brings that back that looked like it was away from the ball. So it's just – it's things like that where it's just – I you know, I don't want to say it's, it's shooting yourself in the foot, but – but, just, but it is. It is. <laughs> you it, know, it, it's it's, it's self-inflicted wounds. Yeah. It's things that are completely avoidable that are impacting the game, and uh, and the Packers just have to start cleaning it up. Yeah, and the devastating thing about it is, I mean, you and I talked about this before we started the show today. It's covering up a lot of really good performances too. And I mentioned to you, you know, Devontae Adams is off to the best start of his career right yeah. now. Thirty-seven catches through five games. I think yeah. so much for that bad calf. I right. Mean, he, he played. He played yesterday. I yeah. mean, he he was. It's too bad he wasn't able to haul in that one by the goal line that might have been able to flip the game in the fourth quarter. But uh, but other than that, boy, he was he was special yesterday. Yeah, 140 receiving yards, had a touchdown, his 10th consecutive touchdown in a road game, which is just crazy uh, that, that it's worked out that way for him. I think Blake Martinez is off to a really good start to the season. He got his first two-sack game in this. Kenny Clark continues to do work, 92% of these defensive snaps. But... 
when you have individual performances standing out, there's always the other side of that too in terms of just not being able to lift up at the right times. And I think for the Packers, they're still trying to figure that out. Tremont Williams said it afterwards too. 2-2-1 two, two, and one right now, he doesn't really know what kind of team they have at this point. There, there's still a lot that the Packers have to discover about themselves, and I think ultimately it comes back to consistency in all three phases. It wasn't like it was one particular phase of this game that let the Packers down. It was just inconsistency in all three phases that gave Detroit enough wiggle room to be able to hold on to that lead in the second half. Yeah, there's certainly plenty of blame to go around in this one in terms of the Packers taking this loss. I will say this about the defense, and I don't mean to oversimplify things too much, but I did mention 17 points on 31 yards. But that being said, I really thought the defense had three bad plays, in my opinion. And now this is not including the penalties. There were a couple of personal foul penalties on the defense that were inexcusable in my mind, and the Packers definitely have to avoid those and clean those up. But in terms of the action on the field, I thought the defense had three bad plays. The 60-yard one over the top to Galladay. Josh Jackson's in the right position, and we've seen it too many times this year, Wes, where the defensive backs are in position, but they're right. not making the right play on the ball, and it's leading to a big play for the other team. Then at the end of the first half, Marvin Jones Jr. ends up being wide open across the middle in the back of the end zone when the defense had a chance to hold them to a field goal, and then it's only 20 to nothing at halftime instead right. of 24. That was a coverage bust. And then late in the game in the fourth quarter, again, the Lions are driving, but the Packers have a chance to hold them to a field goal and still have a chance, and Carrion Johnson takes a handoff around left end, is completely untouched. Nobody sets the edge. I don't know whose responsibility it was. There were some different things going on in terms of who was crashing inside and this and that, but he goes around the left side completely untouched and ends up going 24 yards down the field out of bounds, and, uh, and it sets up another Lions touchdown those were the three plays that I thought were the real black marks for the defense. Other than that, you know, quite frankly, with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams playing the way they were, the defense played well enough to win this game, but the offense was only there for really one half of football, and the special teams just didn't help all day long. Yeah, and, and ultimately your the result is going to be a game in which the Packers almost doubled up Detroit in total yards. Yeah. Uh, two, uh, five, 21 to 264. Packers' own time of possession in this game, 33-20 to 26-40, and in really every category beat the Lions. Unfortunately for them, it comes back to the takeaways. It comes back to giving them the field position that they did. Detroit's average starting field position in this game was their, their own 40, its own 46-yard line. Yeah. You just can't do that and expect to win, and, and for the Packers, there's a lot to learn from. There's a lot to clean up, and you know it, it's going to be interesting to see. Now, they go up against the San Francisco team that's kind of really in a on its heels reeling since the loss of Jimmy Garoppolo next Monday night Packers have to I don't want to say flush it but they got to learn from this quickly turn it around get a big win here at Lambeau Field and then head into that bye week yeah and here's the thing Wes I know the fans are frustrated and five games into the season you know everybody's wondering about the big picture and just what's going on here first of all as you said it's all about the San Francisco 49ers you have your bye week after that you have to win that game get to three two and one at the bye use the rest to get healthy and get ready to go here's the thing I'll say about the big picture I remember you and I sitting here in 2016 doing this show during the four-game losing streak right. in November when the Packers dropped to four and six. And I said a couple different times, I felt the Packers in 2016, they were going, they were going to figure it out. They were going to start to play better. I just didn't know 
if they would do it in time. Right. Well, it turned out they did it just in time to be able to run the table, get in the playoffs, and ultimately get all the way to the NFC Championship game. What I'm going to say this time, I believe this Packers team is going to play better. They, they have more talent on the field than what the results are showing right now. Here's the thing, though. You look at these first two road games, Washington and Detroit. These, the six road games the Packers have left, in my opinion, Rams, Patriots, Vikings, Bears, Jets, Seattle, and Seahawks. I think all six of those teams are better than the two road teams the Packers have played so far, sure. just my opinion. So I think this Packers team is going to play better. The, the thing is, the jump they have to make now heading into the rest of the season is larger than we thought it would be because we didn't think they'd be 2-2-1 two, two, and one right, right now. And it needs to be larger than we thought because the opponents, especially on the road, are going to get tougher. Yeah, and they're going to be playing some tough venues. When you look at Seattle, regardless of where they stand this year and the issues that they're having, they're difficult to play in CenturyLink. Just ask Jared Goff uh, with with how close that game was down to the wire. Mm -hmm. A lot of things for the Packers to figure out from that regard. But going back to something, again, that Devontae Adams said after the game, looking, speaking just specifically on the offense, he said, you know, we've shown we can score points. We've shown we can move the ball. That production has been there. But I just think the interesting thing, the Packers this year – the 100th season, this particular team is having a hard time sort of solving is that can they get the defense and offense to play a complete game at the same time and, mm -hmm. and not to have a let-up where the offense starts slow and the defense starts fast or vice versa, to be able to get out and, and you know, really set the tone right from the beginning. And, you know, you look at where the Packers are in, in – you know, we're we're a week removed from talking about a twenty-two to nothing shutout. Right. And it just it, it's so it's so week to week, you have to be able to move on beyond it. You also have to learn from it. And I just think with being able to see from the very least Marquez Valdez Scantling and Equinemia St. Brown stepping up the way they did, I think it ended up being what, it was a uh, hundred some yards that they ended up being able to contribute together, hundred and fifty some yards. About hundred and fifty, yeah, with a touchdown. Yeah. M V S getting his first NFL T D. And almost two uh for him in that game. Right. Despite not having Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb, you you're seeing the the spark that Aaron Jones can give you with the offense. I think the offensive line has had a done a pretty fairly nice job of being able to really roll with the punches here early in the season. So all the components are there. Jimmy Graham had five catches for 71 yards. All the components are there, but it's getting all of them to fire at the same time on all cylinders. And defensively, I think the biggest thing for this defense right now is just being able to generate consistent pressure. They didn't have a sack from the four outside linebackers in this game. Right. They need to be able to find a way to get that going because I'll be honest with you, Mike, the fact that the Packers were able to hold Matthew Stafford under 200 yards of passing in this game, regardless of what the field position was, despite the fact that Tony Brown, who was just promoted from the practice squad had to basically play on the boundary at the end of the game after Kevin King got his, his chin cut. Yeah. The Packers were really reeling in that secondary and, and this is where depending on how things shuffle out here and you assume that King hopefully will be fine here after some stitches but you know maybe getting Jair Alexander back that the pieces are there on both sides of the ball. It's just a matter now of the execution and we hear that E word every single week but yeah. it's so true you have to execute. Yeah well the phrase that Mike McCarthy has used in the past we haven't heard him say it yet maybe he'll say it today or at some point here but he likes to use the phrase complementary football and yeah. what he means by that is exactly what you're talking about. It's where the offense does something good, and then the defense builds on it. The defense does something good, and the offense takes advantage of it. And that's how you build momentum. You take control of a game. And that's not saying you're jumping out 24 to nothing on somebody like no, the Lions right. did. But it's not putting yourself in a position where basically, I mean, 
what is this, Wes? Maybe the maybe the third time this probably the third time this year. You look at the Bears game, the Washington game, and this game, where the deficit is such that that Mike McCarthy's had to just toss the game plan in the garbage at halftime. Game plans are built. You're trying to do certain things in the first half to then set up some things in the second half. You know, all there's a lot of thought that goes into these. But you you get into these three and four score deficits. And it it doesn't matter what you plan during the week. It's just like, all right, well, you know, we gotta we gotta go here, right. and we we've, we've got to score. We've got to score quickly. We got to get the ball back. It all becomes focused on that, not about using this play to set up that one, and and all those thing, all that work that goes into the into the week. So the Packers need to the Packers need to find a way for when one phase of their team does something good, that then the next one that takes the field capitalizes on it and does something to keep to keep control of the game, to keep the momentum of the game on the right side. The three best Packers teams that I recall from the recent memory here, the ones I've covered, 2010, you're talking about complimentary football, those two sides of the ball picked themselves up remarkably down yep. the stretch. 2012, it ended on a really sour note with San Francisco, but that team played incredibly well throughout the course of the season, yes. especially late when the offense started to figure out the two-shell stuff. And with the defense, people don't really remember much of it, but did really you know, play well that season. And then the best example in my lifetime here is 2014, because once the defense turned a corner after that bye, the offense was, was we knew what the Packers had offensively that season, but when the defense turned the corner and started playing up to that level, they were a team that was a Super Bowl caliber team that season. Mm -hmm. that's, what the, that's the magic formula the Packers are looking to get. It's not easy to solve it. There are so many moving parts on any given week, so many variables, but when you do hit that sweet spot, that's when you achieve greatness. Yeah, and that's where my question is. I, I I think the Packers are going to improve. I think they're going to find their sweet spot. The question is when you go on the road to the Rams, when you go on the road to the Patriots, when you go on the road to the Seahawks, is what they can find, is it going to be good enough? Because you can go into venues like that against teams like that right. and play really, really well and still come up short. And that's what makes being 2-2-1 two, two, and one against the schedule the Packers have had thus far very frustrating because it, if the Packers beat San Francisco next Monday and get to 3-2-1 two, and one at the bye, I think, I think everybody looked at the first six games and the opponents you're playing, and certainly with the 49ers losing Garoppolo along the way, I think you were looking and hoping to be better than 3-2-1 at the bye week. But right now, that's the reality you live in. You have to get there. You have to use the bye week to get healthy and then ramp up your game because your schedule is – you're hitting the meat of the schedule. There. Absolutely, and it's going to be a tough stretch with those road matchups too. But the one thing, just to close on, the Packers are not the only team going through this right now. You look at Atlanta is now 1-4. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles in that game that we talked about, either the Eagles or Vikings are going to have to look themselves in the mirror – it ends up being the Eagles losing a close one. Yep, they've got three losses now. They're two and Def three. Defending champs, two and three. Dallas had so many high hopes for this year. They're two and three. You know, and it just it, that's the way this game works. It humbles you. Mm -hmm. And and as as Tremont Williams said in regards to the Mason Crosby misses, it humbles you even when you maybe don't have to be humble. It's just the <laughs> nature of the game. That's a really so, good line, by the way. A phenomenal it, 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 line. It's so true. It's and so true. Just trying to see now where it is. It's four quarters of football, and you can pick yourself up and you can make a run in any of those quarters. But the teams that do it consistently throughout the course of the season, that's how you get home field advantage. That's how you build momentum. 
That's how you win a Super Bowl. Well, the first jump the Packers have to make is against the San Francisco 49ers seven days from now. Then you have to make another jump after the bye week. We'll see if they can do it. You know they're going to put in the work to get the job done. Totally. So here we go. With that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.